We're going to talk about a movie that I don't know how many of you will have seen, but if you saw a picture of the main character, you would recognize it in a heartbeat. It's legendary. Um, we're talking about the godfather of the genre here. The original, Nosferatu, monster movie that came out 100 years ago in 1922, started it all. And uh, to this day, aficionados say, it's right up there among the very, very best. So let's get some insight. We're going to chat with Dr. Irvin Malachi, an assistant professor in the Department of Central, Eastern, and Northern European Studies. Um, doctor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Hi, Shay. Thanks so much for having me. So this movie, uh, Nosferatu, it, it, it's considered really to be like the first of its kind by aficionados, right? And it's a vampire movie, essentially, isn't it? It's a vampire movie, but I don't think it's quite the um, original vampire movie. It gets that reputation. It does. But there are a couple of earlier ones. But it's the one that stands out. Why? What was it about Nosferatu that people just sort of, that's the one that we sort of signify as being the, the genesis of it all? Mm. I think still the look of the vampire, you were mentioning earlier how people, even if they have not seen the movie, they might recognize the protagonist. And there is something incredibly eerie about his outlook, uh, the idea that he looks like a rodent, um, has some of the sort of classic features of the vampire. This is really what kind of set off the iconic, iconographic representation of vampires in the 20th century. Yeah, pointy ears and the claw-like hands. Like you say, you, you see him and you recognize him as a vampire immediately. Who was the actor that played him? Uh, Max Schreck uh, played the the vampire, um, and the last name is really interesting because um, it is actually the real name, uh, but in German and Yiddish it, it means fear or um, uh, being scared. Oh, really? Now, the story of Nosferatu, we, I think a lot of us know Bram Stoker, we know Dracula, all these sorts of things. Was that part of that myth, that folklore, that, is it part of that story? Absolutely. It's actually an unofficial um, uh, adaptation of Stoker's Dracula, and it led to one of the um, early, um, really sort of uh, big coverage international copyright lawsuits because the Stoker estate um, ended up suing the production company who made the movie. Um, when the movie was first screened, there was a little bit of a nod to, to Dracula um, in the intertitles, um, but for the most part, um, the producer did not seek permission to make it. So it became quite a, oh. quite, um, a, a, a big deal. And then, of course, we had, we had um, Bela Lugosi with what we come to recognize more as the, you know, the Hollywood version of a vampire, of Dracula, right? So was that deal made there, and is that why that one sort of took over? I think that um, those are a little bit of a they have a little bit of a different uh, history. Um, that is an official um, and sanctioned um, adaptation, and I think to this day most uh, big Dracula fans will tell you that the Bela Lugosi one is their favorite. Right. Um, Nosferatu still kind of um, holds on um, a particular kind of cult status among fans for sure, though. Have they ever tried to reinvent it, bring it back, recreate it? That's right. Werner Herzog in the 1970s tried to make um, uh, and um, did a really good job in sort of visually uh, recasting the Orlok story. Um, I, it's in a lot of ways, I think, a little bit of a, a spookier iteration of the film than um, Nosferatu is. The original was a silent movie. So, I mean, in terms of doing a horror movie back in 1922, um, how was it? How did it come across in terms of scariness? 
In terms of scariness, it came, it came across really well because the filmmaker, uh, Monal, really famous director, um, was well known for using on um, lo- like location shooting, outdoor shooting, and contrasting these sites um, of sort of like nature to um, the undead vampire. Um, so there was a lo- quite a lot of really sophisticated cinematography that went into the movie that um, was basically devised to spook people. Really interesting story. Um, Doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. You bet. That's Dr. Irvin Malachi, an assistant professor at the Department of Central, Eastern, and Northern European Studies. It's a, you know, it, it, it's a movie, like, like, like I say, if you just put it into your search engine, Nosferatu, the picture will come up immediately and you recognize it. And it's kind of strange because it was it was the earlier version of a vampire, but we all recognize Dracula as being the vampire. And I mean, that's, you know, that's Bram Stoker and that's Bela Lugosi. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the Coca-Cola version of Santa Claus. That's just become what we recognize it to be. But earlier on, you had Nosferatu. And I guess, it, according to the doctor, you had a couple even before that. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.